0: This is Leafs Morning Take with Nick Alberga and Jay Rosehill. Now
1: we've got a fight started here right off the bat with Rosehill.
0: 30 minutes of live, non-stop Leafs talk starts now. What's going on? Happy game day to you and yours. I call it the Jay Rosehill Cup. It's the Leafs and the Flyers from Scotiabank Arena on this Wednesday. Hello and welcome to the Wednesday edition of Leafs Morning Take. It's Nick Alberga and Jay Rosehill. You like that one, eh, Rosie?
1: I did. The Fly Guys are in town playing the the Leafers. So, yeah, it's a good day. It's a good day to be a hockey fan. What
0: would that cup look like, the Jay Rosehill Cup? Would it just be like gloves?
1: G- gloves are like a vacuum cleaner for a hockey stick or something. I'm not really sure. It would be, <laughs> be embarrassing for me, though. <laughs>
0: It would be like a grocery stick. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Remember to subscribe, smash that like button, leave us a review. Um, Don't forget to visit LeafsNation.com for the very latest happening. Uh, With the Toronto Maple Leafs, obviously a lot's happening, unless you talk to William Nylander. We'll get to that clip coming up. But if you have any thoughts, comments, concerns, questions, uh, make sure to hit us up on YouTube in the chat, as you see down below, and we'll get to them a bit later on here in the show. Again, the Leafs back in action. They're playing Philadelphia. What a surprising start for the Flyers, 5-2-2. They actually fell 1-0 on Broadway last night to the New York Rangers. I watched the majority of that game, and Carter Hart is absolutely locked in to start this season. And unsurprisingly, Philadelphia is playing with some jam, but it's Chris Kreider who scores the OT winner. But I want to start with this, a bit of a a warm-up, if you will, for for Rosie here. Uh, Sportico releases NHL franchise valuations on Tuesday. And surprise, surprise, the Leafs remain the NHL's most valuable franchise worth. I projected $2.12 billion. As you see there, the Rangers 2, Montreal 3, Chicago 4, and the Boston Bruins coming in at number 5. So I ask you this, Rosie. What did it mean to you to be a Toronto Maple Leaf?
1: Yeah, you look at that list, a lot of uh, like legendary teams, original six teams, and you know to have played for the one at the top of the list i mean there's a reason they're the most valuable franchise out there it's uh i mean imagine they've been winning cups the last 20 years it would just it would just be outrageous but like i've said before you can go anywhere in the world and and you're gonna see hats with the maple leaf on it you know it's just it has that reach and there's just something about that team it's uh it's just kind of got the biggest following and the biggest fan base. And it's just a special, special team. And I think that's what makes it so hard to win there. There's so much coverage. There's so much uh, expectations. There's so many people watching and, and wanting you to do well. And um, at the same time, you're kind of in that biggest city in Canada. And hockey is Canada, as we know. And, you know, the valuation right there over two Bill for that organization is is just crazy, man. Are you surprised?
0: Not really. Uh, not really. Certainly not what we know about this market. And also the fact that what were we talking about before we came on air here, right? The fact that the Leafs are just so difficult to bet on because there's absolutely no juice. They're, they're the popular mm-hmm. team to bet on. Like you even look at this game tonight and we'll get to that points bet Canada play of the day in about 15 or so. But there's absolutely no juice on this team. Like it, it does not make sense to bet on the Toronto Maple Leafs right now in the preseason because you're going to get little to no value, right? Like, it really, really is scary.
1: Yeah, it reminds me of betting on Tiger Woods when there's a golf tournament. And, I mean, he has next to no chance winning a tournament. For some reason, it's a deep field. He's coming off injury. He hasn't played in weeks, whatever. And he's still the top of the the odds, you know, just because... Vegas can't afford to to take all those bets with with value for every better so it's kind of the same idea going on when you're that popular and there's that many people watching and wanting to put some skin on you um, you know sometimes they're gonna have to uh, juice those lines a little bit and you know honestly it's tough to bet on them especially because you never know what to expect but also because like you say the value's not really there hey.
0: It's not. And uh, by the way, producer Alex does a tremendous job behind the scenes for us, has a fantastic question that I'm going to ask you, Rosie. And we just put the numbers up there, up to Sportico. Was there a billion dollar difference in your experience being a Toronto Maple Leaf to the
1: Philadelphia Flyers? That's a great question. Ah, that is about a bill, hey? Um, You wouldn't <laughs> see it. You wouldn't see a billion dollar difference, man. I think this day and age... <laughs> You look at the money that's getting thrown around, these, these owners treat you pretty good everywhere you go, I think, but there was something about the Maple Leafs, just those extra little details in in the day-to-day, uh, what's going on, what kind of machinery you have around the rink, and just new cool things, the way things are organized, if they build a building or reno something, it's just top, top tits, no matter what they do, so you can feel it for sure, but... Playing on the Philadelphia Flyers, there was no expense spared there either. It's uh everything's top-notch. They had renovated the practice rink when I was there, and there's, you know, eating quarters and two chefs that are there. They'll cook you whatever you want. It's just crazy. Like no matter where you're playing, if you're in the NHL, you're treated like a spoiled little brat. And sometimes I think these guys actually show they are little spoiled brats. The
0: majority of the time they do. I I tend to concur with you. Do you remember the day that you became a Toronto Maple Leaf? Like uh I was trying to remember before the show, like you just sort of showed up like you were Doug Glatt out of the movie. <laughs> I was like, where'd they find they, this, this mutant?
1: <laughs> they just threw me a Jersey and said, get out there. No, it was, uh, it was the trade deadline from the American league. So I, I went, uh, I went there the last, uh, what was it? It was, yeah, the last of the deadline finished on the Marlies signed a two year contract. So it just kind of showed up at camp and no one really knew who I was. And, I remember standing in the gym about to do like a windgate test on the, on the bike. And I just felt this kind of presence behind me. And I just kind of turned around and Brian Burke was standing there and he's just kind of looking forward. He whispers, he goes, this is your kind of team, Rosie your kind of team and I'm just like okay <laughs> so then I went out and fought everyone that moved for about a week straight and made the team but yeah I just I remember it was a bit of a whirlwind for sure going there but I I, I was so excited man I wouldn't be anywhere else you'd want to be but on the Toronto Maple Leafs man to to kick start your your NHL career was was awesome it's a, it's a two billion dollar outfit but
0: yeah pretty much and I'm wearing my duck sweatshirt today by the way I don't know if you saw the jerseys yesterday it reminded me of the Bash brothers right Fulton Reed and company, yeah. uh, you and Colton Orr, you guys brought the That's mitts, right. man.
1: Yeah, I remember that, man. I remember he was uh he was on a couple year, three year deal, maybe four year deal, maybe. And uh, I knew he was there, so I wasn't sure how he'd receive me coming in there. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, it was awesome. We kind of sat beside each other, and he would, you know, he had so much experience compared to me, especially in that league and in that genre of, of style of play. And I thought maybe he'd think I was stepping on his toes or something, but he was. He was awesome. We'd talk about who was coming and who was who was needing what and what what team had who and what just everything about that 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 thing that we did together. We we'd talk about it and he accepted me. We were roommates on the road. Um, he was a good shit to me, man. He made it comfortable moving into the league and uh, and sharing that role with him. So yeah, it was uh it's funny to look back on now. It's like that's a it's a fair bit of weight on one line, especially with him. But uh, yeah, it was fun times
0: guys are heavy you're a pugnastic we did love that and the truculence in this market and i uh, can't forget of course about dean portman from mighty ducks too just the greatest trilogy of all time and we will get orzee as mentioned uh, a couple of weeks back we will get him on the show salt of the earth as you know but for now we're going to get over the boards all right, Rosie, they're back from this five-game road trip from hell. October's over. It's a new month, a 15-game slate, 9-15 on home ice. They're playing your beloved Philadelphia Flyers. Toronto's winless in four, coming off a 1-2-2 two, and two road trip, as mentioned. We expect yeah. the starting goalies to be Ilya Samsonov, and I guess you just never know what John Tortorella, but Carter Hart played last mm-hmm. night, so I'm going to assume, and you know what happens when you assume, but Felix Sandstrom, I expect to start 0-2-0, 3.14, a 900 save, save percentage. It's a winnable ball game for the Maple Leafs. It's all I can say, Rosie.
1: Uh, once again, in theory, it's a winnable game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the way this team's coached and the way they play, I mean, the Philadelphia Flyers are going to be coming out and they're going to play with jam. They are gonna, their legs are going to be moving. They are going to have energy. They're going to have desire. They are going to be ripping and if the Toronto Maple Leafs don't do that, they have proven that anyone in this league will beat them. And that's not to say that I don't have, you know, high hopes for them in this game. They're they're probably going to get a little bit of a break by facing a backup goalie and don't have to face Hart, which would be obviously a nice little uh, nice little boost to them and in the ability to win the game. But all I'm wanting to see, you're coming off a four-game losing streak. You do not want to continue living the way they've been living the last week. Show up with some brash FU in your game. I want to see some FU from this, from this outfit. I don't see it. You, it's just so obvious from the body language, the looks on their faces, on how they're approaching a game. And I want to see some jam. And they're going to need it because a John Tortorella coach team, the Philadelphia Flyers, they're not going to be coming in on their heels just wanting to see what happens because Tortorella won't allow that. So you know they're they're coming off a two game losing streak too, and they're going to be fired up, and they're going to want to win. And they come to Toronto; it's kind of special for everyone when you come to Toronto. And I just hope that our team's uh, fired up, ready to go. What do you hope to see when when they when they step out there? What do you think is the key to actually getting ahead of this game and and giving them a good chance to win it?
0: Yeah, pretty much the same. I would say not giving Philadelphia life. Number one, uh, you know they're coming off a back to back. They were on Broadway last night. It was a hard fought game against a division rival. So don't give them any inspiration, any hope that they have a chance to win the hockey game. And I know it's cliche, but start on time, you know, have a good first 10 minutes, score the first goal of the game, you know, make a play. Um, I think another thing to look at in this game, Rosie, is, is keep it simple, stupid, the the kiss method that I love. Like, I think it's time to get simple. It's time to get basic. And you know, quite frankly, I think the Flyers are the worst team imaginable imaginable to play right now if you're a fragile team like the Maple Leafs because they play with so, so much pace and passion, right? Um, I, I just think you can learn so much from this team, from this Flyers team, that at the very least, Toronto better be ready to play in this game because I think it can get ugly. Um, I could only wonder, like you see the thumbnail here on YouTube, if they lose this game, what happens? Uh, Dennis writes in, nothing will happen, but the shit at the fan if they lose this one, Rosie.
1: Yeah, it's just going to be more of the same. People are going to be calling for other people's heads. Just more frustration, yeah. more more tension, more walking on eggshells, more, uh, you know, stress for the brass and for the coaches and for the leadership of that team. So, I mean, it's to me, it's simple, man. I just, if you just come out guns blazing with an FU attitude and just, throw the kitchen sink at it, and that just means effort and passion and, and a lot of try. You'll wipe the floor with this team, but they just keep showing up with tiptoe. Let me see what happens here. Let me just stay on the perimeter and see if anything opens up. That's not going to cut it, man, because you show up like that, bang, bang, you will get overwhelmed by a team that is working its nuts off, and they'll put it in the back of your net, and then you're chasing all game, and we don't do well chasing. We grip our sticks. We slow up. We decide to do individual type efforts that lead to turnovers. It's not good enough. So I just want to see them come out. I want them to have the shittiest week of practice so far. They're pissed off. Everyone's mad. They're getting meeting after meeting. They're getting picked apart in, in, in video sessions. I want them to be sick and tired of that and say, hey, to a man, every single guy in that locker room is going to come out firing on all cylinders. And you'll be able to win the game, and that's exactly what they need right now. But like you say, if they do what they have been doing, it's not a good team to, to face off against.
0: Did you see this Nylander quote from the morning skate today?
1: I didn't. Let's see it.
0: It was really good. Uh, it was pretty much a question about the mood in the city amid the losing streak. And again, you were a player in this league, so you probably have a better handle on what's being said behind the scenes. Or, our player, you know, players have to be reading Twitter and social media. Give me a break. But this is what Nylander said. I took a walk yesterday with my dogs and ran into a couple fans, and everyone was positive. But to me, that just screams <laughs> your, your, your common fan who will shit talk you on social media, but in person, the nicest person in the world, correct?
1: Oh, 100%. I mean, no, it's got to be pretty bad for a person to meet a guy like William Nylander <laughs> on the street. I mean, you don't see that every day. And if you're a passionate Leafs fan, you're just excited to run into one of the Maple Leafs, one of the star Maple Leafs. So you're just going to be yeah. wide eyed th- saying, Holy smokes, what is he doing? look at his dogs, whatever. Nice to see it, it, you. You'd have to have a lot of gumption to rip a guy in person, face to face on the street. But, uh, yeah. you know, you run into the wrong guy and the team's doing poorly. You might have a guy say, Hey, are you actually going to pull your head out of your ass this season sometime or something? And you know, if if you got that on as a as a player, I don't think uh, you can say much except I hope so and just continue on with your day. But it doesn't yeah. surprise me that people don't really uh, rip him to his face. It's kind of exciting to meet one of the guys out on the street, right?
0: Yeah, it is. And to that point, I if I were Nylander, I'd laugh. Like if you rip me, <laughs> here's my credit yeah. card. Here's my black card. Go go buy a fucking new new outfit, right? But I, I think these. They're, they're trained for this type of stuff. I, I just sort of chuckled at that quote. Uh, in terms of lineup expectations, Timothy Lilligren, to the best of my knowledge, not eligible to come back until Saturday. But from all accounts at practice, looks like he's good to go. And they got a big slate coming up this weekend too, but you don't want to you don't want to get too far ahead. They got Boston. They got Carolina. The Bruins look like an absolute wagon. We'll get to the Atlanta, Atlantic Division standings momentarily. The lineup changes and the expectation. Uh, Pontus Holmberg, I don't know if you remember him from training camp. He had a really good training camp. Uh, I believe a former sixth-round pick. And they're going to insert him into the lineup. But the thing I don't get is it's going to be at the expense, it seems, of Nick Robertson. Like, uh, What's going on here, Rosie?
1: Yeah, I'm kind of confused by that, man. It seemed like he was stapled to the bench their last game in in Anaheim. and. Yeah. You know, so many other guys who you're just dying to get benched don't seem to get, you know, their shifts and their ice time backed off at all. But Nick Robertson did, um, you know, I was watching the game and I didn't see anything that stood out to me that was uh, something that would be worthy of getting yanked out of the lineup or benched. But, you know, obviously he wants to shake things up and that's all you really can do to an extent when you're when you're playing the way the Maple Leafs have been playing lately is, is just try to mix the lineup up as, as good as you can. And I was often, yeah. uh, you know, saw the effects of that where if we lose a game or something like that, you need to mix something up. You know it's going to be me. You know it's going to be the guy that's kind of expendable. Whether you had a good game or not, it's kind of irrelevant. You just need to yank someone out. And, you know, maybe Keefe is a guy that just is really um, – you know, seniority based and just took the youngest guy with the least experience out of the, out of the lineup just because he can. And, you know, it's not really necessarily based on merit, but I didn't think I saw anything that would warrant no. that. Did you, when you were watching the last game?
0: No, no, I just think quite frankly, it's perplexing a team that's struggling and starving to find offense takes out an offensive player in favor of Pierre Engvall, in favor of Zach Aston Reese. Um, I think Dennis Malgin. I understand why he's in there, scored a pretty one the other night, but he's very one-dimensional. To me, it just it doesn't make sense from from that avenue where I think Robertson's clearly an upgrade over what you have in that bottom six, and yet he's like the whipping boy early on in the season. Where, And again, I'm not a coach by any stretch, but I haven't seen anything significant to suggest this guy is not ready to play in the NHL at the very least, even if it's in a bottom six look, right? Um, I just don't understand what... Would Engvall, would Aston Reese, pretty much have been bringing to the table the you know the first ten games of the season? Because I haven't seen much of you.
1: Yeah, I agree, man. I've been quite frustrated with both of them. I don't think either of them have really done anything. Maybe Engvall's chipped in a goal here or there, and and that's great. Yeah. But aside from that, your overall play has been nil. I mean, especially from twelve there. Like, I don't really know what he brings to a fourth line. You know, like we all know what a fourth line is supposed to do and I mm-hmm. just don't see him having a strength in any of those, any of those factors that you want to have out of your fourth line. So I, I I'm confused. I like, um, you know, some of that youth and some of that exuberance and some of that uh, offensive power. So to yank it out of the lineup in in lieu of some of these guys is, is surprising. And, you know, where I'd like to see it shaken up, I was hoping Lilligren would get back in the lineup here soon because I'd like to see the back end. Yeah shaken up a little bit and get some new life in there and and mix some things up uh you know Mm. as we know hall's not been very good at all he's kind of been the butt of a lot of mistakes and and pucks in the back of the net so i was kind of hoping for that i don't think we're going to see it tonight it doesn't sound like but um it's nice to know some guys are close to getting off the long-term ir and and we can start to maybe i mean this team just needs to find something right find something like they did last year to get back on track here
0: yeah, don't worry. Justin Hall is playing tonight. So if you're worried about that, he is going to be in the lineup tonight. No sarcasm there. But yeah, as I mentioned, Lilligren is uh, eligible to come back on Saturday. And it's my expectation he will. Looks like Victor Mete, by the way, is going to come in uh, again for the the, uh, the rookie crawl. So uh, that's the very latest when it comes to potential lineup changes. You hate to call any game crucial, but it's game 11. It's game one of November. Considering everything that's happened the last little while, the Maple Leafs better be ready for this one. And I think we move forward to looking at the Atlantic Division standings, Rosie, as we like to do every Wednesday on this show. Uh, The Boston Bruins by far have just been the biggest story, maybe not only in the Atlantic Division, but the season in general. Um, As you know, I do a lot of fantasy hockey work, a lot of work with the National Hockey League and, uh, you know, pundits across hockey were pretty much writing the eulogy for the Boston Bruins. And they said, oh, not so fast. Marshawn comes back early. Uh, McAvoys around the corner and they're off to a blazing start. that game last night against Pittsburgh was something else their first here in the Atlantic.
1: Oh man they are uh, just blowing the doors off of everybody you look at uh, you know their home record they haven't lost at home yet um, nine and one going on right now with uh you know the last 10 there they're on a six game winning streak it's just impressive right and I just think they're just coached so well that they've found something that thing that the Maple Leafs are looking for you know that uh you know when you get the chemistry going and just things just start to work for you and everyone's riding high and then everyone's confidence goes through the roof it's easier on the goaltenders it's easier on the defense everyone's flying high you're helping each other out they're just working as a unit man and holy shit are they racking up the the winds right now and they're starting to really you know pull ahead you know we talked to maybe a week and a half two weeks ago and you know as well and bad as everyone's start has been and it looks like there's a lot of separation there's only a couple of points there and they're really starting to pull away in a sense um obviously only a handful of games ahead of you know second last place there with the leafs but uh you know y- you can't let this go on too too long or it's going to be a long time making up that ground right
0: oh certainly and the big story from last night for boston they got the win but it came at the expense of losing jeremy swayman uh, their young phenom goaltender uh, it was just a weird looking play there Linus <laughs> almark had to come in and boston actually stormed back and won that game if you can believe it so that is uh A pressing storyline for them moving forward again. The Boston Bruins in town coming up on Saturday. The Buffalo Sabres, to me, are uh, another surprising story. Six and three in the first nine games. Tate Thompson had the quietest six-point effort you can have in the NHL back on Monday. He was just simply tremendous. Um, Florida's been sort of sleepwalking. Tampa, without question, has been sleepwalking. I don't know if you saw the finish to the game last night, but it looked like Tampa was about to score an empty netter, and then all of a sudden... Ottawa comes back the other way and Brady Kachuk misses wide on a breakaway with like seconds remaining. And that was after a goal got called back for Tampa. They had the 5-3 goal. It was called back due to an offside. It's just, it's been a a chaotic start in the Atlantic Division. But certainly in November, you'll see some movers and shakers here. So that's your look. The Ottawa Senators have been so, so out of the gates. And we found out yesterday they could be for sale. So a lot happening as expected, Rosie, in this Atlantic Division right now.
1: Yeah, for sure it is. It's starting to kind of take a little bit of shape. It takes kind of that first 10 yeah. games to kind of see where people are. It's still a small sample size. But like you said, there's some surprising uh, surprising, th- surprising things happening here. Boston, and like you say, Buffalo's up there. And, you know, Tampa and Florida kind of hanging on. Obviously, I think it's a surprise to see the Maple Leafs down at the bottom there where they are. So lots of time left, though. Um, And, you know, as a fan and a guy that wants the Maple Leafs to do well, uh, I'm hoping they can have a kind of a November like they did last year and start racking up some some points and climbing in the standings. Like you see, they're not actually that far away from from being in second place, right? trailing on the Boston Bruins. So good time to find your stuff would be tonight, I'd say.
0: I would say that as well. And again, the Maple Leafs won 12 of 14 last November. So it's going to be an uphill climb certainly for this team. The wrap-up is brought to you by our friends at PointsBet Canada. All right, so just a a two-game slate in the National Hockey League on this Wednesday. It's really, really quiet. Um, I was going to bring you something in terms of a prop from the Buffalo game. First and foremost, uh, I mentioned Tage Thompson's been on a different planet. Over three and a half shots on goal. This guy's 29 shots on goal in his past four appearances. So I think you look there. As for this Leafs game, I mentioned the money line. There's just little to no value. There's no value on the money line for the Maple Leafs, Rosie. So I would probably look, if you're going to bet on this game, at the puck line for you know, bank on an empty netter or just a blowout victory for the Leafs and maybe a look at regulation. But I do think Toronto wins tonight, how about you?
1: Yeah, that would be nice. I mean, like you talked about at the beginning of the show, that money line is just outrageous for a team that's lost four in a row. Yeah that's very fragile coming in with you know a well-coached flyers team who have had some success this year to have that type of a line is like you say kind of outrageous but just shows you how much money and how many people are are looking at those Leafs place and bets so yeah um, I don't mind that spread at all the money's a little better for sure but um, you know it's going to be a battle and Betting on these Leafs is always difficult. I like just the money line is just embarrassing. So take that spread and see what happens. But I think it all comes down to just what their mentality is. And if they come out as a unit with with energy not, that's the thing to me. If they come out with energy like they did in Winnipeg, they can steamroll this team. But if not, it's going to be easy for them to get put on their heels by this outfit. So interesting game today. And like you say, it is early, but it's a... It's kind, of a, it's kind of a big game for a, for a Wednesday Wednesday evening in uh, the beginning of November. It's, it, they they want to show something right now.
0: Final words hammer the Leafs. So those are the final words of life, it seems. Uh, I don't know if you caught this last Friday. Um, John Tortorella was asked about his level of concern regarding shot differentials, scoring chance discrepancies, and puck possession analytics. And he offered up this response, which I thought was tremendous. I think most analytics are trash. I believe in the eye test and the stomach what did you make Mm -hmm. of that quote rosie
1: i love it man you start crying i mean it's just like anything if you want (laughs) just like anything in the world if you want to prove a point you can go out there and gather a bunch of numbers that make your point look valid all the time you can do that and a lot of times Everyone says, well, the proof is in the numbers. Well, no, numbers can be quite deceiving. You can organize them in a way that, that proves your point, even though it may not necessarily be true. But when you're watching a game and coaching a game and a guy that's old school like John Tortorella, he just knows what he knows. He knows what he sees. He knows the feeling in his gut. And he can tell what's happening and what needs to change and whatnot. I do not, it doesn't surprise me at all he's not sitting at his, at his desk crunching a bunch of puck possession five on three in the d zone with the last 10 minutes of this period oh that means i gotta make this decision are you kidding me he's an eye test guy and i like that quote and when they start jumbling too many numbers i'm not a big numbers guy either i just go by feeling like what do i see what does it feel like because when you're on a team that's all there is they're not crunching numbers they're like what's going on what's the feeling what's the vibe right now why why is this happening you know what's what what's happening right before the game who's saying what who's feeling what are guys confident are guys excited it's just that kind of shit that makes you have a a vibe on the game and an understanding of what's going on within the team and sure as hell isn't a bunch of numbers on a on a stat sheet how much i know you're a little more stat driven than i am do you yeah put more onus in it and there's a place for it absolutely but you like that quote or not
0: I think it's phenomenal. I think it's Sean Totorella to a T and he doesn't give a damn, which I love about him. Um, I do think he has an expiry date. He's had an expiry date with every team he's coached. And I think for the most part, we know the, the upfront value and boost that he gives uh, initially to his team. And we're seeing that right now. Everybody's buying in, but it will get stale. Uh, I'm somewhere in between when it comes to the old eye tests versus analytics debate. Um, I think it's a useful tool, certainly in this day and age, but the issue I have is trying to quantify analytics when it matters most, when the pressure's on. I always like to bring up, like I, paid, I played baseball growing up. And I remember when I'd play big games, I would get nervous. And in the batter's box, like I would literally shake. And I don't know how you can do your job effectively when nerves come into uh, into the picture. And I don't know how analytics can measure nerves, right, and pressure to succeed. And, and, and sort of that is my issue with analytics where – you're going to be so analytics driven but how do you quantify it when your season's on the line when your career's on the line when when everything's on the line and the importance of a game that's that's a tough time i have but i did th- i do think it's a useful tool at the very least rosie
1: yeah i kind of like it with a grain of salt you know a little yeah. bit of a little bit of both you know some guys go too yeah. hard i think kyle dubas has got uh you know a reputation of being pretty heavily driven on the numbers and a lot of the younger guys that are coming up seem to be that way it's just the way of the world you know you've had that phone in your hand you've had access to the internet information overload and you're going to try to use it to your advantage of course but i kind of like a nice uh, a nice mixture of both and like you say when yeah. the rubber hits the road and it's it's crunch time and and you got the nerves going and you need to do something all that stuff's out the window anyway and it's just a matter mm-hmm. of can you perform under pressure and are those nerves you can let those nerves take you over your body and 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 own you or you can take those nerves and and put it into a a factor of excitement that this is exciting I like to be nervous because it means I'm in a big game and competitors like that stuff so you hope that you got guys on your team that can perform under that pressure and uh you know I don't want to say the Leafs are under pressure right now necessarily but
0: no they are they are (laughs)
1: I <laughs> are somewhat argue with that all right but they're in desperate need of a win a big convincing win against this team showing that they're a powerhouse team and that they're not you know going to be pushed around by a little bit more of an inexperienced flyers team would be a very nice touch tonight so i'm going to be watching with uh bated breath hoping that like you say i think the start's really important i hope they just come out flying
0: we need your trademark quote to finish off the so uh, off the show so say it for us please don't
1: fuck around. Somebody you fucking do around? something, right? Ah, there we go. <laughs> I knew it. We had got to get shirts somewhere. Yeah,
0: we got to get shirts made today or sometime soon. Sweet. Rosie, excellent job. We'll uh, we'll debrief tomorrow on this one. We might even have Scott Hartnell on the show, so can't wait for that. Oh dear. <laughs> I love that. That's Jay Hill. I'm Nick Alberger. Remember to subscribe, smash that like button, uh, leave us a review, and don't forget to, to visit theLeafsNation.com. Take care. Enjoy the game. We hope, fingers crossed, there's no waffles on the ice tonight, and we'll talk on Thursday. Take care.